Are you looking for a way to save a little money? What about getting your subscriptions under control? If so, then I've got just the solution for you. Rocket Money. With the help of Rocket Money, I was able to find a subscription that I completely forgot to cancel before the free trial was up. I'm sure you've all been there. And Rocket Money can help me cancel it. Between streaming platforms, apps, delivery services, and even parenting and kids subscriptions, it's hard to keep track of exactly what you're spending and how much it all adds up to each and every month. Not to mention the fact that it seems every single day one of those subscriptions suddenly jumps up in price. Rocket Money alerts you when this happens so you're never caught unawares. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With them, I can see clearly what my monthly spending is and how it compares to the month before, making saving money and taking control over my finances so much easier. They'll also try to negotiate lowering your bills up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll even deal with customer service for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. That's rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. Rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. Today's podcast is brought to you by newspapers.com, the ultimate destination for exploring the mysteries of the past. If you're fascinated by true crime, get ready to dive into the stories that made headlines. Newspapers.com offers a billion pages of historical newspapers from the U.S. and beyond, and you can search the entire collection in seconds. Their vast newspaper collection is a goldmine for eyewitness accounts, crime scene photos, news reports, and more. Whether you're interested in famous crimes or long-forgotten cases, Newspapers.com gives you a front-row seat to more than 300 years of history. For our listeners, Newspapers.com has a special offer. Use the code CUPOFMURDER for an exclusive 20% discount on your subscription. That's promo code CUPOFMURDER at Newspapers.com. Sign up today and start unraveling the true crime mysteries that keep you up at night. Hey everyone, I have a new podcast that I've been dying to tell you guys about. Are you looking for a new true crime podcast that will verify what you've always thought about false prophets, phony pastors, and televangelists? Then look no further than Seven Deadly Sinners. Seven Deadly Sinners is a podcast about preachers, priests, cult leaders masquerading as gurus, self-help con artists, and most chilling, leaders who have committed horrific crimes. Crimes against the people who trust them the most. What if, after leading you in prayer, he lures you into the bedroom? What if the same preacher who captures your heart kidnaps your child? And what if the priest serving you communion used those same hands to dispose of a corpse? This show is about the heinous crimes committed right under your nose. Heinous crimes committed with a Bible next to their bed and a cross around their neck. Host Rachel O'Brien has toured the world doing stand-up and is channeling her same passion for comedy into true crime, with a solid amount of risk-taking along the way. Exposing these cults, murderous preachers, scheming televangelists, and uncovering shady networks hiding in plain sight. If you want to hear your host go up to the scene of the crime, boots on the ground, and knock on the cult leader's door, interview people closest to the crime, and deep dive into unsolved crimes with never-before-heard tips and information, then Seven Deadly Sinners is the show for you. 
Listen to Seven Deadly Sinners on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Breakups can be incredibly hard. The emotion, the heartbreak, and the missing can be too much for some to bear. When you add a partner who is abusive, those hardships can escalate into something more dangerous. On March 21, 2000, a man was shot to death after a reign of terror that sent shockwaves through Baltimore County, all at the hands of a brutal breakup. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Joseph Chester Pelzinski, Joe to all who knew him, was born on November 11th, 1968 and grew up in a loving household. As an adult, however, Joe racked up a hefty list of domestic violence and assault charges and had spent most of his life in and out of prison, mental institutions, and on parole and probation. A drastic change in personality that seemed to occur as a teen after a severe head injury. Joe had on one occasion beat his ex-girlfriend with such ferocity that she miscarried a child. He was also involved in a standoff in Idaho that lasted 16 hours. Despite all of these run-ins with the law, Joe's mental health was never really looked into seriously, and he spent decades never really receiving any significant treatments for what some doctors have diagnosed as bipolar disorder. So the violence continued. On March 4, 2000, Joe Pelzinski was arrested yet again in Baltimore County, Baltimore, for beating his girlfriend, 22-year-old Tracy Whitehead, when she tried to move out of their apartment. Despite the violence and his incredible criminal record, Joe was released on a $7,500 bond and on March 5th and the following day had a neighbor named Constance Wow buy him a shotgun and a rifle. On March 7th, 2000, just three days after the domestic violence occurred, Joel Pelzinski walked into the bully's quarters home of George and Gloria Schenk, ages 49 and 50, and shot them to death. Now, while Joe did not really know the couple, Gloria had taken in a co-worker and was allowing her to live in their home, a co-worker named Tracy Whitehead. Grabbing Tracy and dragging her from the apartment, Joe caught the attention of 42-year-old neighbor David Myers, who came to see what was happening with the couple. Joe pulled out his gun and shot David just outside the apartments. He died in his fiancé's arms as they waited for emergency services to arrive. The following evening, Joe attempted to hijack a car being driven by 36-year-old Jennifer Lynn McDonald in Chase, Maryland. She was killed by a ricocheting bullet in front of her family. She was the mother of a two-year-old little girl and was pregnant at the time of her death. He later carjacked an 81-year-old woman who was not injured and took the car with Tracy inside to the L. Rich Motel in Pulaski Highway. It was at this point that the nature of Joe's kidnapping was called into question. According to the motel clerk, Tracy came in and out of the motel room on several occasions to buy things like food and drinks, and never once seemed to be under any duress. In fact, the clerk described her as, quote, chipper and, quote, happy to the police in later interviews. While in the motel, Joe saw the news report about Jennifer McDonald's murder and realized that he had left the guns in his vehicle the one that he had just stolen. He knew the police were looking for him, so he and Tracy went outside to retrieve the guns. 
When they did, Tracy saw a police car and ran towards it. Joe, fleeing into the nearby woods, managed to get away, and on March 10th, he was in Virginia. Here, he kidnapped William Lewis Terrell and forced him to take him back into Baltimore County, stopping at stores along the way and forcing William to purchase him food and various survival essentials. William, who kept his promise not to call the authorities, was found by the police shortly after Joe released him. Shortly after the initial murder, police, despite working in an area unaccustomed to violent crimes, undertook a massive manhunt to find Joel Pilsinski. Even using the latest technology and all available equipment to form a barrier and a roadblock surrounding the areas that they believed he may be hiding out in. Barriers that didn't seem to bother Joe any because he was able to penetrate them not once, but twice during his time on the run. After arriving in Dundalk on March 17th, Joe went to the home belonging to Tracy's mother, Lynn, her boyfriend, Andrew McCord, and their 12-year-old son, Bradley McCord. Bradley, none the wiser, opened the door for Tracy's ex-boyfriend. And for the next 97 hours, Joe held the family hostage in their home. As police surrounded the neighborhood, blocking anyone from entering or exiting, police tried to negotiate a number of releases and even fired an occasional shot that were all ignored by Joel Pilsen's scheme. Several neighbors were arrested for violating the police perimeter, and at one point, the Baltimore County Tactical Squad requisitioned a home where a dog kept barking. They shot and killed the dog to maintain their cover. For four days, the longest known hostage conducted by one man, the family inside lived in fear. The only demand Joe had? To speak with Tracy Whitehead. He was denied his request and, when trying to justify their decision, the police said they feared that if they complied with his sole request, he might kill the hostages while Tracy was listening on the phone. It was later revealed that he also wanted to speak with his own mother, Pat Long, and an old girlfriend none of which was allowed. On Sunday, March 19th, a burst of gunfire was heard from Lynn's home, and police began ferrying out some of the residents in armored police vehicles to try and keep them all safe. The next day, more shots were heard, but no one inside sustained any life-threatening injuries. Then, on March 21st, 2000, tired of waiting on the police, the hostages took their situation into their own hands and laced a glass of iced tea with some Xanax. After Joe drank the tea, he promptly fell asleep. Andrew McCord fled from the front window and then Lynn. They decided to leave Bradley, who was sleeping on the kitchen floor behind, out of worry that he would make too much noise if they tried to wake him up. Fearing for the boy's life, the police made their move and broke into the home. Upon their entrance, Joe, who had been sleeping on his weapon, sat up and reached for his gun. The police opened fire and Joel Pilsinski was killed. In total, he was shot 27 times. Bradley was rescued and the entire incident was brought to a close. Shortly after the murder, the woman who bought Joe his weapons was charged and convicted of illegally purchasing firearms for a convicted felon. She had no prior record and was ordered to pay $450,000 to the families of the victims in a civil suit. In the aftermath of the spree and hostage situation, Andrew McCord, Lynn's boyfriend, attempted to collect the $10,000 reward being offered for Joe's apprehension. He claimed he was the first to call 911 and that his call resulted in Joe's capture. He was rejected because he did not call the appropriate tip line. 
He and Lynn later filed a lawsuit against the police department, alleging that they failed to protect them and their son. The police had offered them various forms of protection following Tracy's abduction, all of which they had turned down. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to A Terrible Thing Happened on March 22nd. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there is always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.